Right, here we go. Another episode of Talking Heads. And as you've probably gathered by now, the last couple of episodes have just been pretty eclectic, going from one extreme to another. I have a tattoo artist lined up for an interview uh, in a couple of days' time. That'll be coming to you at a later date. But today, once again, we're going to talk music. And once again, we're going transatlantic. And probably once again, yes, we'll be talking about my favourite subject, which is Thin Lizzy, our music in general as well. And this time, if you remember uh, two episodes or thereabouts ago, I spoke with a guy by the name of Kurt Dawson, which we will be having on the programme on the podcast on regular basis, a monthly basis. And this next gentleman I'm about to introduce you to uh, will also hopefully be joining us on that uh, crusade, if that's the right Mm -hmm. word to use. And that is Mark Thompson. And you are in where, Mark? I'm in Ventura, California. I'm joining you from Ventura, California, which is about uh, an hour north of Los Angeles, halfway between Los Angeles and Santa Barbara. Ventura Highway. Ventura Highway, that's correct. And uh, just to give you a little correction, you call it a crusade, I call it a pilgrimage. Yeah, well, yes. (laughs) Yeah, probably more apt. (laughs) But thank you for having me, Roddy. Um, It's a pleasure being on. Like I had mentioned, I love talking music. I love talking all things Thin Lizzy. Um, And the, the connection between you, me, and Kurt is that we all met at the Vibe in 2019 uh, for the first correct. time. But, and Kurt, by his own admission, uh, wasn't particularly a follower of Thin Lizzy, but you are very much the opposite. I was. I was the big Thin Lizzy fan. And the last time we did speak, Roddy, it was after the Vibe. We, uh, we got burgers at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I think it was me, you, Kurt, and Ursula. Yeah. And I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you. I thought Ursula and you were related in some manner, either sister and brother or wife, <laughs> nope. because of the ba- the banter and the whole uh, you know teasing that you did amongst each other. But we had a great time. Those burgers were fabulous. And then yeah, we they all taste great at three a.m. after a few drinks, they, don't they? <laughs> they did. So that was the last time I saw you. Um, but uh, yeah, I got Kurt involved in the vibe. My first trip to the vibe. I got to tell you, I can't remember when I first. Uh, I've always been a lifelong Thin Lizzy fan, and we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. But my first uh, understanding the vibe, I remember the 25th vibe. Uh, I watched it online. I got connected, and and, uh, that was the first time I thought to myself I wanted to go check this out, see Mm -hmm. what this is about, because I remember that was a big vibe. Uh, Brian came back. There was just great show. So every subsequent year, I kept thinking about it. But as you know, the wife has different ideas on vacations. Typically, she <laughs> likes to go to a place with a beach and some sun. And going to uh, Dublin in January was not her idea. But like I said, based on the fact that she said you only live once, you should go live your bucket list dream. And that's primarily what it was, Roddy. It was a bucket list thing for me. So what was um, the first year then for you? Well, the first year was the 30th. All right. So I went five years following along, hoping and dreaming I could go, but life got in the way. So on the 30th, I had a concern that it may not you know, continue much longer. And based on the, the 25th, I knew the 30th was a milestone, so I made plans to come out here. And that year, I did uh, talk to Kurt. And, and the reason I, I talked to Kurt is he's Irish. He's very proud of his Irish heritage, uh, Irish-American, actually. And he's originally from Boston, uh, our most Irish town in a uh, city yeah. in America. Yeah. So I, I called him originally. He's my childhood friend. I grew up with Kurt. Matter of fact, Kurt and I have known each other our whole life. Um, and uh, we play music together. To this day, uh, we have a little group that we, we play music at clubs uh, periodically when we get I'm together. pretty darn good, I'm told. 
He's very good. He's no, a no, very talented. You, you included. I mean, your your well, little group. Well, we we're, we're pretty darn good, and I tell you, he makes us shine because he's just an incredible singer. I'm just playing the the guitar, but he makes us shine, and we and to this day we still play music. We play the guitar left handed. Both of us we're both Virgos, so we call ourselves the Left Hand Brand. And we still play music. So he's been my childhood friend. I called him originally to go to the 30th. And, you know, he's got three kids. He couldn't swing it. So I went out there not knowing anyone or what it was about. But it was a bucket list item for me. So I flew out to Dublin. And I'll tell you a funny story. I knew about the vibe. It was at Vicker Street that year. Um, but I, I didn't know about the pre-vibe. So in my traveling Dublin, I saw at the Grand Social that the pre-vibe was happening. So I went and got dressed, all spiffed up, showed up at 8 o'clock, and it was sold out. And I, I tried to explain to the, the, the bouncer that, you know, I'd come all the way from Los Angeles, California to do this. I mean, uh, it, can I speak to a manager? I, I asked him if I could give. I got quite a bit of money. Can I pay you some money? Can I wait for people to come out? Maybe I could go in. He said, you're not getting in, sir. I said, can I, if I run in there, will you chase me? He said, sir, you're not. <laughs> so then I was I was kind of dejected. I was all dressed up, nowhere to go. So I went across the Liffey River, went to Bruxelles, and I rolled up on the statue. You know, I was going to go to Bruxelles, hang out. Uh, there was about six people there taking pictures, and they asked me to take a picture of them as a group. And I'm going to call out their names because they're the ones who really turned my whole experience around. It was uh, Grog Wilson, Kim O'Hara, Craig Barsh, Craig Allen. Uh, Mark and Dean Maslin. So when when they heard my plight that I got that I couldn't get into the to the pre vibe, they had the same situation. So we kind of laughed about it. And Grog literally put me in a headlock and he said, "My Yankee mate, you're going to come with us. We're going to Phil's bar." He took me in a headlock and they took me down into Phil's bar or the Rock Bar or whatever it's called in Bruxelles. And to be honest with you, Roddy, I had been to Bruxelles multiple times and had never visited the Rock Bar. So we went down there, spent the whole night. I, I, we drank. Once they found out I was not a big drinker, boy, they plied me with Guinness. <laughs> I, yeah, I welcome to Dublin. <laughs> welcome to Dublin. You know, everybody knows me. I'm not a big drinker. But when in Rome, you're going to do as the Romans do. Yeah, I'm a bit like that myself, to be honest with you. It's the two occasions in the year when I kind of let rip. Uh, the yeah. vibe and also the uh, the the birthday gathering. For by the way, for people listening to this who are not don't really know what I'm talking about when I say the vibe, basically it's a tribute to uh, Philip Linet. It's a, a couple of cover bands, a number of cover bands, usually very good cover bands, and just died in the wool, hard cast, thin Lizzy supporters. And uh, it's uh, I, and, and anybody that knows me certainly on this side of the world, uh, Mark, uh, know that once. I get an opportunity to talk about things, Philip and Thin Lizzy, I will never stop. And I probably bore the arse off people so much about it. But um, me, a bit like yourself, I suspect, have been besotted with uh, the music of Philip and, and Thin Lizzy from an early age. Mm -hmm. When, mm -hmm. At what point did you first ever hear the band? And can you remember that? I can, and, and I must say, I wish I could say I was ahead of the curve, but I found out, uh, I, I got an awareness of Thin Lizzy just from American radio, where most kids did. Uh, Jailbreak record came out in 76. Um, I was about 15 years old in 76. Uh, my best friend, my neighbor, we would, uh, at 15 years old, we had limited resources, so we, would, we wouldn't pool our money to buy records, but we would agree on what record to buy. Uh, so we could both enjoy it. Uh, it was a democratic I, decision. It was a democratic decision. I think the record before I bought Dress to Kill from Kiss, 
And okay, we love we'll that. let you off with that one. Yeah, I'll let you off on that one. <laughs> it even got worse. One time I want my choice was a John Denver record and he talked me off the ledge and I got Aerosmith Rocks instead, <laughs> which turned out to be one of my greatest love records of all time. Mm-hmm. But at the time he bought uh, um, Jailbreak and we loved the name of the band. We loved the Jim Fitzpatrick artwork. The record was just brilliant. Some people would say that's the perennial uh, uh, Thin Lizzy album. Yeah, it's the breakthrough uh, album, for it's sure. It's the breakthrough album, for sure. But for me, you know, we had just heard in America just the jailbreak. Uh, the boys in back in town had not even hit yet. But the record for me was just so solid and so complete. I mean, everything from Emerald to uh, Warriors. I love Romeo and the Lonely Girl, the, the, the lyrical poetry of that. Um, and cowboy song. Uh, Roddy, I, I would have to contend, my assertion is that the chorus for the cowboy song is one of the greatest lyrical choruses of all time. Wow. So, so, we, uh, so we love that record. And then I remember the next time we, we bought John, Johnny the Fox, and that was my purchase. And I was a little disappointed. It started off well enough with Johnny and, and uh, Cocky Rocky, the rock and roll star. But there was a lot of slow numbers on there. Mm. And as a 15, 16-year-old kid, all I wanted to hear was the hard rock thing. You know, I was like, what do I know about these love songs? Uh, but it wasn't later, you know, as you get more experience in life, these songs. Now I have a, I've had a Sweet Marie. I've had an Old Flame. I felt like I'd been on the borderline. These songs touched me in a very deep way and, uh, and how, very how aware were you as you as mark uh, how aware were you that they were irish i had no idea at the time and and roddy i'll be i'll be honest with you um i really don't uh pay much attention to that i pay attention to every detail but for some reason i don't always pay attention I, i'll know if they're not american uh, and I was a, a aware of a lot of, you know, the normal uh, Irish musicians. I remember being aware of Rory Gallagher, and I knew of uh, Cranberries, Sinead, Enya, those. But, for example, Gilbert O'Sullivan, I just learned that he was Irish. I used to love that song, Alone Again Naturally. I had no idea. So I kind of learned that after the fact. But I had no idea that they were Irish uh, until I started hearing uh, songs like uh, Black Rose. Right. And I said, what is all this about? What is he singing about? Oh, this is Celtic uh, mythology. Uh, and it, it spurred me on to learning about Cuchulain and, and all of these mythic Irish gods. Um, that's your lawyer. It, yes, my lawyer saying cease and desist on the interview here. But um, I tell you, any reservations I had about Thin Lizzy, when I, once I got live and dangerous, that was my band. That record was what rock and roll should sound like it's what it should look like it's what it should smell like i sat there for hours in that gatefold mm. looking at those pictures of their life it felt as though you were there as like you were there and you would just study it for hours listening to the record and and uh i i, I did read somewhere that they made that double live album in uh uh, because of peter frampton's success. yeah i mentioned that had... to kurt last time oh, that, yeah yeah, yeah Phil, I, Phil I, had heard that record yeah, and I got I got to say in America that Frampton comes alive. We heard that ad nauseum for two years, mm-hmm. and I loved the record, but it wasn't hard rock. This was exactly what a sixteen-year-old rebellious, angry sixteen-year-old needed was somebody who came in like they were swashbuckling rock and roll pirates, ready to pillage, and that's what I thought Thin Lizzy was. So once once Live and Dangerous, that was my band, and and to be honest with you, with the limited exposure they had in America. Uh, 
uh, I kind of, it's kind of like uh, having a, a band that's your little secret, you know. Oftentimes you have a band that doesn't, uh, is not very popular when they get worldwide success. Everybody complains that they sell out, mm-hmm. which I think is ridiculous because that's really your objective is to touch as many people with your music as you can. But it was always nice to talk about Thin Lizzy because no one in America knew who it was. I did have one chance to go see Thin Lizzy. Uh, Kurt's brother, uh, who was about, I'm about four years older than Kurt, and Kurt's brother was my age. But I always just related to Kurt. We just had the same musical tastes. Uh, we, he had a great sense of humor. He was very intelligent. Obviously, I'm drawn to people like that. But Bill was supposed to take me to see Queen in 77 with Thin Lizzy, and he ended up taking my sister. So the fact that I'm still talking about it, I must have a grudge over it. <laughs> but um, that was my one chance to see him. I do remember uh, John Sykes coming through through my town here in Ventura with uh, Brian and, and Scott doing the one night only thing. And I think they did a credible job. Uh, I sang every song to the top of my lungs. I walked out of that show sweating like a total mess. And it was just uh, uplifting to me. Yeah, that's probably but, the closest um, you were ever going to get, I suppose, to what cl- it was with Philip. Exactly. That was the closest I was going to get. And it was a joy. But for me, um, like I said, for me, my love for Thin Lizzy kind of evolved over my lifetime. You know, when I first had an an interest in it, it was because of their guitar playing. Um, I didn't understand Phil's uh, contribution or the fact that, you know, he was Thin Lizzy. I was interested in the guitar playing what Scott and Brian were doing. I thought it was brilliant. They had a hard rock sound that was melodic. It was tasteful and it was catchy. I was walking away humming the riffs, that whole twin guitar attack. But my love and appreciation from Philip really evolved when I came to understand that, you know, I really appreciated his voice. Um, I thought it was such so emotionally evocative and it was intimate, subtle, yet totally powerful in the rocking stuff. He, he, like I said, these guys look like swashbuckling rock and roll mm. renegades. Um, so they had this, what was it oh. like then for you in, in your little Thin Lizzy bubble all those years ago in terms of um, relating to your friends who are into whatever the act of the day was in America? Because for, for you, as you just said, Thin Lizzy were, were quite a, a big secret, really. But were there, was there much interest in the band or were there many of your friends that you knew, or, or, or even generally speaking, that were very aware of the band? Not really, no. And that's why they were kind of our little secret. Um, there, there's, a, there's a current band that I, I completely fell in love with, the Struts. And no one seems to know who I'm talking about. I'm going to go see them on Tuesday for my fourth time because they just put on a show that's just amazing. Um, but no, Thin Lizzy had very little. I mean, people would know you would have to say Thin Lizzy. And you'd say, tonight is going to be a yeah. joke. Oh, that, oh, damn. But they, they just never got any traction in America. Uh, of my friends, you know, like I said, I had rock and roll friends. We were all in bands, so we were in the know. But you went outside of uh, our rock and roll group. No one knew what we were talking about. Yeah, it's often and, been um, discussed as to, you know, if they had broken in america what kind of band would, would philip be still alive now would be the first yeah. question and secondly uh, how big they could have become they could have been absolutely huge they would have been huge because like i said after thin lizzie t- i mean after live and dangerous that was the most amazing record but uh bad reputation 
that was amazing to me. I, I that might be my favorite record. I, I love every song on that record. Black Rose, what a master! I mean, it just kept getting better. And even though they wavered in the '80s, it was still such great music. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's the songs. Uh, song Phil was a songwriter, and that's what I came to appreciate. Um, you know, and it's funny because when I when I explain these, I've been to the Vibe now three times. And uh, when I explain where I'm going, I'm you're going all the way to Ireland to do what? And I explain who Phil Philip Lynott is and who Thin Lizzy, and then no one can, can even understand it. And I have to explain it that he's really kind of like it's kind of like when people go to Graceland to to pay honor to Elvis. Yeah, uh, Phil is my Elvis, yeah. and uh, you know they shared many of the same characteristics. You know, uh, he was whole, a big fan as well. Yeah, he was that macho swagger. They had a ton of charisma. Their performing style was you know, sexual, yet rock and roll. They share many of these same characteristics, except for, to me, Phil wrote amazing songs that are timeless. I, uh, I love Elvis as well, but he, as far as a contributor, he didn't write, too many, he didn't write any no, songs. No, no. But he was, a, he was a more of a pop culture icon to me. Um, but I love Elvis as well. But um, for Phil, really, what I, what I came to realize was his songwriting. And um, that's ultimately where my true admiration and respect became, because he was an extraordinary poet and songwriter. And his songs were about such deep uh, topics, meaningful topics, you know, like, um, and they had a timeless quality to them. I, you know, I listen to all kind of music. I listen to the music of the day, the hip music. I listen to new rock and roll bands. But every three or four years, I come back to Lizzie and I'll play it for two months straight. It just speaks to me. Uh, because of that longevity. And um, it, it, like I said, his songs were about deep and meaningful subject matters. Um, it's such diverse subject matters, so, stylistically so eclectic. But at the end of the day, they were just great songs. And his songs were like, uh, and I hate to sound like I'm gushing here, but <laughs> they were like epic stories and they were based on, you know, literary figures and references and mm. history and religion and Celtic mythology. These were all, and I'm a big fan of books. I'm a big reader. I thought this was the perfect match for me. He wasn't just singing about shagging on the road. I mean, although he did write about that, he wrote about things that were deep. Probably partake, partook as well. <laughs> yeah, he partook as well. And that's all about, that's about rock and roll too. But um, you could tell he was intelligent, well-read, sensitive human being. Uh, he was a rocker, a renegade, a romantic, do a rock and cheer. Do you? Um, sorry to cut across you, uh, Mark. No problem. Um, do Do you get to hear much of them on American radio these days? No. Or is it just the classic rock stations? With uh, even even there, with the exception of the boys are back in town or jailbreak, there is no. You won't even have people know the. The Dancing in the Moonlight song here in America. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, when when I would go to Dublin and they would do that whole soccer chant during the bass line, oh, 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 yeah. oh it made it, 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 shivers went down my spine. Yeah. But there's nobody in America, with the exception of uh, either Jailbreak or Boys Are Back in Town, you'll see that here in our pop culture. It's on a lot of commercials and things of that nature. There's no understanding of Thin Lizzy. Yeah, because I always find... Why... Sorry, go on. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. That's why I'm so happy that 
the folks in Ireland pay such reverence and they continue to, you know, acknowledge his legacy and they will until the end of time because he meant so much for me. It's just strange being in a place where no one understands what I'm talking about. But at the but same not, time, I'm, I'm, Mark, okay. even over here on, on radio, if, if I'm driving my car and I hear the person on radio saying after the break we got some Thin Lizzy coming up, I know it'll be either uh, Whiskey in the Jar, Boys Are Back in Town, right, Dancing right. in the Moonlight or Sarah. It'll never, re- right. never really, it'll go occasionally outside of that, maybe still in love with you or whatever. Uh, and, and perhaps that's even more than you would hear on American radio. But it, it's just that you and I know that there's a ton of songs that are uh, radio friendly, daytime radio friendly, to use that horrible term. Uh, but unfortunately, it's because they never hit the big time in America. No, ab- absolutely. He had so much potential, and I, it really is sad that nobody has understand what a prolific body of work he's created. Uh, I mean, I have every record uh, up to the live life record where they all came back together. Uh, just, uh, I have all the solo records, and and and, and also, by the way, I I love the way he was able to kind of Phil was able to navigate and kind of trans traverse through all musical styles you know he had he had no limitations whether you know was the punk rock he did with the greedies uh i saw him play with elvis costello the new wave crowd graham parker i saw him in a devo suit he embraced all styles he embraced all styles and he was so eclectic i know his last project was with the three guys that r&b thing they were doing if you listen to his solo work there was disco on there uh reggae music uh, he was a musical chameleon like Bowie, and I could relate to this because I was the same way. One of the reasons Kurt and I have such a are, are so muy simpatico on the music is that, you know, a lot of our friends are very limited in what they'll listen to, but we listen to all genres. I mean, there's uh, there's really no music I don't like, and, and it, what's strange to me is that I have the same uh, inclination towards food. Whatever you put in front of me, I'm, I'm going to eat. I don't have anything that I won't eat, and there's nothing I won't listen to. So especially strange, burgers at three o'clock in the morning. Especially. Can you remember how you felt the first time you you came to the vibe, the very first time you stepped inside the door of the the, the arena? I'm telling you, uh, it was so emotional for me, Roddy. The the minute I walked in, uh, the halfway full arena, I was in Bicker Street, pretty large venue, and they're they're projecting a a picture of Phil uh, on the screen. And the minute I walked in there and said, I am here, it was so overwhelming, tears started screaming down my face, Roddy. I say that with no reservation. I was overwhelmed. I could not believe I had made it, that I was at Vicker Street, and I was about to see Eric Bell and Brian Downey and the Lowriders and everybody. It was, it was overwhelming. That was a particularly I, good gig, actually, that particular it one. Was, it, it was a great gig, and I had factored that in when it was the 30th. I knew it would be something special. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so I, I was overwhelmed. I spent my time with everybody I met from from Bruxelles the night before. And matter of fact, these folks, like I said, Roddy, they took me under their wing. They showed me the ropes. I didn't know about the North Star. They took me to the North Star every day, or I, I, I took a cab over every day. I got to meet Eric Bell. Um, turns out we shared the same birthday. Huh. He, asked, he asked me if I was a guitar player. I said, I am, but not like you are, sir. I'm not like you. Uh, I'm not as accomplished as you are. I met uh, the Lowriders, met Smiley, and it's like they had given me the king the keys of the kingdom. Mm. You know, they took they took me out to the um, uh, the, the Phillips gravesite. 
uh, Philomena's house. She wasn't around, but they showed me the ropes. They treated me like family. And yeah. that's the reason I keep coming back because I have never felt the love yeah. and just uh, beautiful uh, friendships that I have from, from the vibe. Uh, j- just for the benefit of people listening in at the moment, you mentioned the North Star there. That's a hotel up in Amiens Street across from Connolly um, Dart Station. And it's pretty much Thin Lizzy Central for the duration of the vibe. It's where everybody from all over the world congregate. And the one thing I have uh, discovered, uh, Mark, well, not discovered, I've seen down through the years, and I've had been to, what, 33 of the vibes now at this stage. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the amount of people that travel great distances, I, I can tell one story about a girl called Julie. If she's listening, she'll understand who she is. She's an Australian. And she came over to Ireland on the turn of the century, in the year 1999 into 2000. And stood on the Hapney Bridge at midnight and I said, are you off your head? <laughs> Dublin at midnight, you know, a girl, a single yeah. girl on her own. And it didn't seem to bother her an awful lot, but I brought her uh, into, I can't remember where the vibe was on that particular year, but I introduced her to Philomena and Philomena took her under her wing be- only because of the fact that she had travelled such a long distance on her own to be at the vibe. Although I do think that she had a male companion. I don't think it was a boyfriend or a husband, but it was a male companion. Mm-hmm. But and she, her story is typical of of so many others. We have um, a tribute band called the Lizzie Boys from Japan. A great bunch of guys. Very little English, and I, I'm convinced now, even now, that any conversation they have with you uses the the, the uh, words th- and the language that they uh, learned from Philip's songs, you know, so they, they might answer right. you with a Thin Izzy lyric or something like that, you know. <laughs> uh, okay, that's probably stretching it a bit, but you know what I mean. They're, they're, they were so respectful and like yourself, and the people who travel long distances particularly, I'm not saying that the Irish don't appreciate it, of course they do, but people who travel a long distance to see their faces and the way it lights up when they met Philomena, God rest her soul, uh, are, are just was in the room. I presume you're in the room out at her house. Mm-hmm. Have you been? No, I no, I have not. No, no. I, I've always I've I've always tried to avoid meeting her because I just wanted to worship her from afar. If I met her, I feel like I would just gush over her, and I know that she would hate. You that. would not have been the first or the last. I know, and I know I wouldn't be able to help myself. But I, yeah. but I tell you, Roddy, every time I, she did a speech at every vibe, I cried like a baby. Um, I think she's the most beautiful, classy, dignified woman I'd ever seen. I kind of secretly, in my mind, think she's my mother too. Yeah. And I was, I was devastated by her loss. Told, I mean, by by her death. Yeah, which is only only quite recently, and it it still smarts yeah. a lot for a lot of people. But yeah, she she was um, the instigator. Um, of keeping the flame of Philip alive and, and I've said it to a few people since that it's now beholden on us to keep her flame because she became pretty much a star in her own right over the she years did. since his death. She did. I, I consider her the Queen of Dublin. Uh, that's her official title to me. She has bec- She's carried on his legacy very well and she's become her own celebrity in herself. She'll, she'll be remembered forever as well. Oh, I think so, yeah, and I think future yeah. future gatherings will reflect that as well, and uh, I've no doubt that will happen also. Did you, um, once you discovered them all those years ago with Jailbreak, did you then delve back into the back catalogue prior to that? I did, I did. I was, after I got, you know, at some point I went back to the nightlife and the fighting albums, completely loved them. Uh, I went back to the first three records with Eric Bell, 
um, I've grown an appreciation for those. I can't say they, they had a kind of folk aspect to them. but yeah, the It was a different writing, time. It was a different era it was as well. A, it yeah, was a different so. time. But I, I do appreciate the songwriting, and that's really why I think Phil was so brilliant. Uh, he wrote songs that are going to live forever. And to me, that's the real barometer of success is longevity. Anybody can write a hit here, make hit a home run. But he wrote, like I said, such a body of work, 15, 16 albums, and not including his solo albums, that are timeless. And uh, that's really the, the testament and the legacy of Phil to me is that he was a poet. Uh, and that's why he has a statue. I tell you, Roddy, the only people I saw had statues in Dublin were people with literary figures. Mm. And, and I think that's the greatest people that you should be admiring because they're the ones who articulate life experiences and I, teach us to open our mind and expand it in a new way. Uh, I have no higher endeavor than literary aspirations as being the most important thing or, or musical or artistic in any way. Those are the highest aspirations we have as mankind. Next time I, I, I get to meet you personally, Kurt, uh, Kurt I was going to call you Mark, um, or indeed Kurt for that matter, I'll sit down and tell you the story of how we managed to get that statue up and the, the long litany of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, adventures. And challenges. And oh boy, were there challenges to get that <laughs> statue up. And also the day then that the unveiling day was such a proud day for all of us on the committee. But uh, in particular, Audrey and uh, Philomena, they had fought so hard to get that statue up there. And I hope actually something uh, comes of uh, Philomena's passing now that maybe they put a plaque on the plinth you know, to commemorate her as well, or something along those lines, because I think she deserves a recognition also that, uh, you know, just for who she was as well. Um, she was, she does. Outside of um, Thin Lizzy and that, uh, what, what's what's your own preference? Are you, you're a rock man out and out, I guess. I'm a rock guy. I like the, the music I play with my guitar is usually rock music with blues influence, but um, I love all kind of music. I, I listen to the pop music of the day. I'm sucker for pop music. Uh, I listen to all kinds. I, I would have to say reggae music is my favorite music. I'm stuck on this Hawaiian island, island reggae music. Um, but I listen to everything. R&B, I would have to say my favorite music is Motown music or, mm. or R&B music like Otis Redding. To me, Otis Redding is amazing. Um, but what I, what I play, I have a natural talent for doing hard rock music, and that's what I like to express, but I will listen to anything. Uh, I have a very diverse musical interest, and um, some of the some of the bands, I, like I said, I like right now are The Struts, Rival Sons, uh, The Pretty Wrecked. I listen to a lot of guitar players, um, uh, but I'll find inspiration in all music. I tell you, for me, music has always been a part of my life. I grew up in Hollywood, California, and I can remember the whole go-go scene of the 60s. I'll tell you a couple of interesting facts from growing up in Hollywood, California. Uh, when I was a baby, we, we lived next door to Glen Campbell. Uh -huh. And my, my mother would tell me stories that they would, we would drive us down the street with our strollers. And the funny story is my father would go to see the clubs. This was before Glen Campbell was famous, and he didn't think he had any talent at all. wasn't going anywhere. And, he just, <laughs> and what a lot of people don't know about Glen. He was a great, amazing guitar player as well. Mm -hmm. And then uh, additionally, I went to uh, elementary school, the same school that Michael Jackson went to, just different years. Um, but um, so I, I can remember music being a big part of my life. I can remember being a child in kindergarten. See, did you see Michael Jackson on TV last night with Diana Ross show? 
or we but and the great thing about when I was young, Roddy, is that music on the AM radio it was there was no categories. You know, it, we, you would hear the Stones, and then you'd hear Motown, and then you'd hear the Beatles, and then you'd hear the Carpenters. Uh, it was just a, a electric. Uh, there was no categories or no genres. You know, they played all kind of music, mm. and so I grew up. I mean, I'd hear Johnny Cash music. I love country music. Um, so I would just knew that music was very important to me from a young age, and um, I, it's just been my life's blood. I'm always have music on. I'm always interested in music. It's just been my passion. I do know that um, th there's a great documentary or film. I, I don't know if you're aware of it called "I Am What I Play," and it's a film about. Um, it's a documentary about some of the great uh, radio presenters on FM radio in America and how. They were so powerful they could make or break a band, say like Thin Lizzy or or, Kiss right. or any of those people. Right, exactly. That, that that's part of it. You know, when I was a, a struggling musician in my twenties, uh, you know, I never had delusions of grandeur that I was going to be famous or or you know sell gold records because I had too many of my contemporaries, people that I knew were so much better, more, more talented than myself, writing songs much better than my band was playing. And they had a chance to make one or two records and then, then they were, you know, unceremoniously dropped. So I knew there was people with far more talent. But you think that the music business, if you had a good product, it's going to sell like Tide Detergent. You know, there's so many other factors that go into it. You know, it has to do with timing and connections yeah, and your look, your style and the musical flavor of the day. Uh, and who has the access, these radio DJs, to give your music exposure? There's a lot goes to it. So I, I knew real quick that, that I wasn't going to be famous, but I did it for 15 years because, uh, quite frankly, I had more fun than any man should be allowed. And, uh, <laughs> and that's, that's how that went down. But then I got to be about 30 years old, and I got tired of being poor, so I bought a couple suits, and I started working in software development. And um, that's what I've been doing for the last... Uh, 28 years. Great. Are you coming back to Dublin in the new year? I certainly hope so. Um, we haven't made any plans yet. Uh, it might be contingent on if, if Kurt goes with me because he's my road dog. And like I said, i tell you a funny story. Like I said, I, he missed the vibe with me the first time. I think he heard my stories, uh, how great it was. He was not a big Thin Lizzy fan. But the next, and what happened is I, ne I missed the next vibe the next year, and I had this whole thing. I saw it on Facebook. I saw that Live and Dangerous played in the small little club, and uh, I've had that fear of missing out. I really wish I was in Dublin. Um, so the next year, I said, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to see if Kurt wants to go. I, uh, I said, Kurt, I'm thinking about going back to Ireland. Before I could get the sentence out, he said, let's go. Get the tickets this weekend. We'll figure out how to get there. And this was probably in October. Right. Uh, so went, so we made the we made the pilgrimage over there, and he was blown away by the music, but also just like I said, this whole family. Yeah, they, they welcome you in straight away. It doesn't matter how strange you are to it, them. It, it doesn't. It's a, it's a, just a, a love fest. Uh, somebody called it the Vibe Tribe, and it really is a tribe. Yeah. Uh, I've never felt such love and just open. Uh, just acceptance as I had it. And my wife joined us the third time this year because uh, she wanted to see what Dublin was all about. And she's not a Thin Lizzy fan. She had no interest in the vibe. And it, it was kind of convenient. Kurt and I would be out all night and we'd wait, come home at six in the morning and she'd be leaving for Trinity College or whatever <laughs> sightseeing tour. She would. So yeah, she was very. Holiday. 
<laughs> yeah, so she got to do her thing, and she was quite independent, and I was very proud of her. She found her way home every day. But uh, uh, but for her, she asked me, she said, why do you keep going back? I mean, Dublin was a fabulous world-class city, but, you know, with so many places to see in the world, I you know, I'm thinking Tokyo next. And I said, hold that thought. I'd like to go there, too. But um, it, it's really the, the, the just the love and the acceptance and just the tremendous – uh, feeling I get from the people. I mean, on, on Facebook, I'm not a big fan of Facebook. I don't do it much. I don't have anything to peddle. But um, I, I'm connected with more people from the Vibe than I am here in my local uh, area. And you had talked about, you know, people from all over the world. I met people at the Vibe from Sweden, from Copenhagen, yep. from Wales. Uh, the group that I met initially, two of them were Scotland, two of them were from the U.S. And we were in Bruxelles talking away. And I got to tell you, Roddy, um, the Irish weren't so bad for me, but these, these guys from England and Scotland, I was saying half the time, hey, I know we're technically speaking English, but I'm only understanding half of what you're telling me. Uh, because when they got together, it was like a shorthand, and I just said, pardon me? Par pardon me? But uh, it was a lovely time, and I felt international. Now I'm, con I'm connected to people all over the world. I am international, uh, worldwide. So it was an amazing experience for me. Um, and I think it was for Kurt, too, because we went back the next year without hesitation. It's that thing, Roddy, where they say the mind once expanded never returns to its original dimensions. That's what it did uh, for Ireland for us, because not only that, uh, the love that we felt at the vibe. I mean, it was very interesting for Americans to go to another country and, uh, you know, find out their perceptions of us are not exactly the same as we think. And I found that I found that to be refreshing as well, because, as you know, Irish people, uh, among being the friendliest people I've ever encountered, they'll be pretty honest with you and straightforward yeah. with you, which I, which I really appreciate. Yeah. In a roundabout way, they might they might tell you they don't like you, but they'll say it in such a way that you want them to say it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know it's an Irish tradition of taking the piss out of folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do out of each other as well, but heaven help anybody who takes the piss out of us. Yeah, exactly. As those are fighting words. Yeah, but uh, you know, it would. I, I think the two questions I got uh, on a consistent basis were, "What the fuck is wrong with you Americans in these guns?" and, <laughs> and "What the fuck is this Donald Trump bullshit?" I mean, uh, so I tried to be diplomatic and I tried to say, "Hey, listen, freedom is uh, the best thing in the world and the worst thing in the world. It's like love. It'll take you to the heights of ecstasy. It can take you to the depths of despair." Mm. Uh, but they but they're essential for the human condition. So I, I other but other than that, I would have to say you guys are right. We are retarded. <laughs> I couldn't explain it any other way. Yeah, it's that Irish humor that uh, we we all uh, even as Irish people we love it. I think as well. The, the humor. Yeah, yeah, and I tell you the other thing that really impressed me, other than the total friendliness of everybody on that delightful island. I mean, I if I got lost, I'd ask for directions. And if they didn't know, they'd ask another person and they'd ask. And, and I'd say, no, 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 don't go to all that trouble. I'll figure. I mean, it was like they would help you until it was resolved. Mm. And, and another thing I really loved was um, obviously there's a big part of uh, music and drink and dancing uh, in the Irish culture tradition. And every night the pubs would be packed and we'd be singing to the top of our lungs. And it'd be three o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. And I would say, doesn't anybody have a job? <laughs> but... They're a hearty bunch. They'll drink all night and go to work. But uh, I, I just found, I called it the, uh, what is French called? The joy de vie, the spirit of life. Folks in Ireland, they live in like, they're, like they're going to die. They're partying like they're going to die tomorrow. And I took that home with me. 
um, and, and just the friendliness. I mean, we could sit at a bar anywhere in Dublin and people would come chat us up. Yeah. In Los yeah. Angeles, nobody – you avoid people because in Los Angeles, people are predatory. You know, They usually want to get over on you or sell you something or, or it, there's a hesitation to, to be friendly. But even in a big city in Dublin, women would chat, chat us up. It wasn't even flirty. It was just good nature. People were so friendly, and they had such an enthusiasm for, for di- drink and dance and music. That's, per- that's right up my alley. I hope somebody from the Irish Tour Sport is listening in at the moment, and they can send, I, me, they can send us the commission, uh, and we split us it between us. <laughs> for that commercial. Yeah. And, and just, and just like I said, you know, there's been people tell me, well, Dublin's just similar to other European uh, cities, but maybe in architecture and su- such. But there's nothing like the people of Ireland. They are so unique, and uh, that's another reason we keep coming back. Well, on that note, I think this is a good uh, time as any to to finish our conversation. Uh, Mar- uh, Mark Thompson from uh, California, yay! Thanks so much for the, for the chat, and I do hope that we cross paths again uh, physically I, i'm sure we probably will if you yourself and kurt decide to come over uh, next january but if you don't we will meet here uh, in the digital world uh, on one of these podcasts in the not too distant future we hope to link up the three of us and just have a chat we, we'll avoid the i think for once to spare people the boredom of that of course unless they <laughs> they can let us know because sometimes i i know i go on too much myself but it's very difficult not to talk uh, thin is when you meet an enthusiast like yourself and especially somebody who's outside of the country talking about him and they were and still are and i still think they could be a huge band if they got a right exposure through a film or something like that because they uh, i think they deserve it and and, and all the rest but then again you and i would be biased on that particular front you know Mark, we are we are thanks a million for your time um you're what time are you there over at the moment you're what about 12 12 o'clock it's noontime. It's turned lunch to me, so I'm going to grab a bite to eat. But, Roddy, it was a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you for letting me gush about my love for all things Thin Lizzy. Uh, I hope we do have the good fortune of seeing you again in Dublin. Um, if not this year, we will certainly be back. I can guarantee you that. Good. And you can buy um, the burgers at 3 a.m. this time. I'm, I'm good. for the. I'm on the hook for the burgers. <laughs> absolutely. And the cab ride home. And look forward to talking with you and Kurt. And the three of us will have a great time. Indeed. Mark, thanks a lot. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, Roddy. I appreciate your time, and and thanks for everyone for listening.